Hello, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And hi, my name is Peter, Peter Vetter. I'm with Nokia Bell Labs and I'm the president of uh, Bell Labs Core Research. Peter Vetter, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We do appreciate you uh, making the time for us. Thanks for having me. And you're at Nokia Bell Labs. How long have you been with uh, Bell Labs? Uh, I've been with the company now 27 years. I actually started my career in the research center in Belgium, and I moved to Bell Labs in the United States uh, now 13 years ago. Oh, okay. When you were in Belgium, what uh, were you researching like a specific discipline within telecommunications, or were you just mainly doing project-oriented stuff? You know, for for the uh, for the. I started world. my career in optical communications. Uh, uh, first fiber interconnect and fiber access, fiber to the home. Uh, and then I moved on to access at large, uh, radio access, DSL access, uh, and now responsible uh, for the larger network infrastructure research that includes optical mobile networks, as well as the networking and security systems. Now you're in management, so you just fill out reports all day. No, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't know. To be creative, I don't know though. what management at Bell Labs ent- entails, but I'm, I'm sure you're still uh, pretty close to the technology. Absolutely, that's great. Do you have a, a particular? Um, so, so in in looking at uh, um, at all all manners of access now, I, w- I would assume that this is uh, you know that, that this is up to and including. Um, where access is going, in other words, like the future generations of uh, fiber to the home and wireless communications and that sort of thing. So it, 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 indeed, it, it includes the entire network in infrastructure. Uh, core research, Bell Labs core research is the core of our business. So access, the network infrastructure, uh, fiber uh, routing, the network layer above that, the uh, orchestration and management and, and the security. But then specifically to your question on access, yeah, the future is, is, is wireless access and getting the capacity as close as possible to these wireless access points by high capacity fiber. That is in a nutshell, the, the architecture. Um, and we also wanted to, to uh, discuss 6G a little bit with you. I know the industry is still um, kind of finding its footing with 5G, I would say, but there's um, you know already a lot of uh, anticipation towards 6G. So um, how will it differ from previous Gs and when might we actually see it start to appear? So 6G, obviously, at Bell Labs is already a very hot topic. I mean, uh, even though the 6G deployment is still 10 years out, you expect a deployment, commercial deployment to start in 2030, you need to start the research 10 years ahead of the commercial deployment. And now to your question, how will 6G be different from, uh, from uh, previous generations? Well, every generation is defined by a new defining application a new platform and a new uh, radio uh, and, and, and access technology. So let me first maybe talk a bit about this, um, the new applications. Uh, well, what 5G has done is connect humans and machines. 
What we're expecting 6G is a much richer connectivity of the machines and the physical world, the human world, with the digital world. So the fusion of digital world with physical worlds. And that is enabled by massive scale deployment of sensors, sensors that in real time capture the state of the physical world. And then the massive scale deployment of AI that allows us to understand what is happening in the physical world and in our human world. And so now why is that important? And so we, we also talk about digital twinning, right? And there's a lot of talk about digital worlds and metaverse. And, and, and today it's mostly, mostly talked about as a way of, I would call it teleporting yourself recreating the environment and, and be with you as if I were there with you. So that, that is one part. So the more the XR experience part. But this digital twinning is, is much more powerful. It, it allows, uh, through the understanding of what's happening, to also make predictions, simulate possible outcomes, plan for the most optimal outcome, and take actions back in the physical world. To, to enhance our life, to enhance our productivity. Oh, in a, oh sorry. Go ahead. I, I was, oh, I was, I was just gonna, wondering. Oh, I was going to restate what he was saying because there are people like me who listen to the podcast who are just getting, just intellectually, just barely getting by. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I want to yeah. make sure I understand what you just said. So what you're saying is like digital twinning, you know, right now is mostly just a representation of what's already existing in a, in a, in a digital space. But with 6G or with, with future technologies, uh, you know, 6G plus AI and, and, and machine learning, what, what could be possible is we could just sim simply run, um, like say you reach a decision point about something, you could run, uh, uh, I guess, a, a sort of a, an A and B test against two different decisions and then decide which, which path might be the right one um, in a, in a, I would think in a very tight time frame to get back to, you know, whatever uh, decision that might be. So it could be, it could be something transportation related. It could be something uh, construction related or factory related or whatever, but you would have, you would have that, uh, that ability to almost predict the future by simply running so many, by, by simulating so many things accurately and then getting uh, decision data back and then processing it and then acting on it. Yeah. So, Phil, Phil you're right. You're spot on. Uh, the, uh, and digital twins in industrial uh, context is already used today. It's digital twins of a machine and that allows to get the state of the machine, anticipate maintenance needs, anticipate uh, repairs before the failure happens. Uh, what we're expecting 6G is that that will happen at a much larger scale. And really think of these digital worlds as almost a platform that you make available, that you deploy as a service so that you get a multiplication of the benefits. And so that brings me uh, also to how we want to deploy this, uh, the, the more the, the technology, the platform challenges. So this is the application of the, the platform. You want to deploy this as a service. So you want the network that is the fabric that will interconnect the digital twins, this, uh, the AI capabilities, the compute and, and the sensing, the digital uh, fabric that makes that possible. You want to deploy that in an agile way. 
and you want to create services really specialized for the application and expose these capabilities. And so what we already see today in, in cloud applications, we want to bring that to the network. And that is going to be a big disruption in CHD. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I can't wait to see how people um, start to apply that kind of, uh, mm -hmm. I, I guess, that kind of application and platform, uh, you know, connectivity. Uh, and then, and then, like you said, you know, just sort of influencing decisions, it, especially when it, you know, it's especially in things like cities. And I, I always get around things like traffic and stuff like that, like traffic management inside of cities could be, um, could, could be completely redone. And that would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and optimize, uh, optimizing your uh, retail businesses or op optimizing also our health. Uh, healthcare is, is another yeah. example. Digital twins of cars, maintenance, the precursors of that already exist, but yes, at a much larger scale. Um, so, but it, you also see how that becomes very complex. Oh, All yeah. These specialized yeah. services. And, and the second big disruption in 6G is AI. AI comes to the rescue here uh, to, to really automate that deployment of these micro components, find the most optimal place in the cloud, in the distributed cloud, to, and the most energy efficient way to do that also to make it more sustainable. So as a service cloud architecture, and then second disruption AI um, for the automation, but also for the radio communication itself. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up AI because I had a question on, you had a really interesting blog on um, paving the way for 6G. And it says that um, in 6G, Nokia Bell Labs expects that um, AI and ML will go from an enhancement to a foundation by taking a clean slate approach um, and, and allowing the most suitable interaction between two endpoints. So can you explain a little bit more what, what you mean by that and, and what that might look like with 6G? Yeah, so uh, uh, the example here that you're pointing at is in, in 5G, and by the way, in 5G, we can still expect a lot of innovations. So 5G is not done. And we talk a lot about 5G advanced by 2025. And, and one of the important things there is bringing AI in 5G advanced radio. Um, and we apply AI to specific components in the layer stack, in the front end in the error correction, in the scheduling. What we want to do in 6G is take a clean slate approach, do away with these layers, and just let the endpoints figure out by themselves how they can communicate. And we've actually already done a proof of concepts in the lab, and it, it, it is amazing what such an AI engine can figure out. I mean, decades of engineering to find the most optimal transmission system, and AI just did that by itself, right? Just a, hmm. a, a couple of hours training, and then we, we of course, uh, will further improve that. But you can see that that also becomes a, a paradigm shift, right? Uh, how we design radios, mm -hmm. how we will have to standardize radios. How do you define that? Two interfaces uh, and, and ensure interoperability. So it's it's an important paradigm shift also. Yeah, and I, I also saw that that, um, that kind of sentence from the blog linked to another article about 6G radios and the future are learning from each other. And that, that sounds pretty mind-blowing as well, <laughs> in addition to the, the tests that you just mentioned. Yeah. 
so learning, but also uh, using the radio as a sensor, that, that is another uh, d d disruption that we see in, in 6G. You have that ubiquitous radio around you and with higher and higher frequency bands and broader bands, giving you the ability to apply radar and, and sense presence of people or, or objects in the room even get an, an idea of the material properties. Is it a mammal? Is it a human? Is it is a metal surface? And combine that with AI ML, and you actually get a good understanding of, of what's happening. And, and where I challenge the researchers is and do things that visual cameras cannot do. See in the dark, see around right. corners by using reflections of walls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and be less intrusive also. Yeah, I'm wondering if also in, in maybe like emergency situations that that would be useful instead of sending the, you know, the little robots in, you would already have all this information and data about who might still be in the room um, and need rescuing. For you mean something like according to like, <laughs> we, we do a quick scan of the network and we can tell that in that, in that apartment building, there's 58 people or something yeah. like that. Ooh, and, yeah. Yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah. That would be wild. And then you can think of applications like uh, energy management and, mm -hmm. and, and safety management indeed, or, or is there intruder in the building that is not supposed to be there right? without the need of cameras, because right. yeah, there's sometimes privacy intruding. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, because it would just, it would just be more of a... a life form detection than it would be something that, you know, you wouldn't be able to relate it to a specific individual, but there are scenarios where it would help you to know exactly how many individuals are in a given space or, you know, what their movement is like, whether they're all clustered into one room or spread out across the whole building or what have you. Um, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I can see a bunch of applications for smart buildings and all kinds of other uh, public safety things. And adding to that, we've even done uh, experiments that you can detect vital signs, uh, breathing, heart, uh, so to your emergency use case. That, that makes me think of it. It would be interesting to do that. And like during a, a conference or a keynote, like are people yeah. getting excited about what you're talking about? Did somebody or just when I go to speak at the big 5G event, you just see all the dead people out there. It's just, just rare, Everyone's just like... nothing registering at all. Yeah. Everyone's heart rate lowered. <laughs> That's right. People are sleeping now. <laughs> They're just drooling into their coffee. <laughs> Is this guy ever going to stop talking? Oh the God. other challenge then also the, 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 possibility to opt out, right? The privacy. If, if you have mm -hmm. that uh, ubiquitous sensing and you, you want to deploy that to multiple uh, application developers and providers, be selective in who has access to what type of data and, and whatnot. And so this is another important challenge for the 6G architecture. Make sure that it's secure and privacy pre preserving. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, because it it, it has to be at, at the speed and the um, and the I guess uh, scale that's that a, a wireless network would operate in that capacity. You can't leave it up to the individual device makers, sort of like what we're doing now. You know, it would it would have to be something that's inherent in the network. Yeah. No, indeed, if it, security and privacy in 5G, it, it, it's done as an afterthought. In 6G, we want to really design it in from the ground up. 
And it is, an, as you're hinting at, it is an enormous challenge because there's so many devices, mm -hmm. devices that you cannot trust, sensors, and they're from different parties. Then there's different clouds, private clouds, uh, public clouds, and there, there's different pieces of hardware, and there's software coming from vendors, from open source. So you almost have a zero trust infrastructure. How do you provide a trusted service on that zero trust infrastructure? building in such mechanisms as anchors of trust and having AI enabled anomaly detection, for instance. And um, just curious if you if you also had any thoughts on um, you know where we might see um, 6G emerge first uh, from a, a regional basis and, and also what kind of infrastructure is going to be critical um, to make this work? Yeah, I think it is too early to say uh, which region, uh, because every region in the world has recognized this is the next big thing in, in, in infrastructures. It is so important to your economy. Um, it is important to your defense. So uh, in every region, you recognize you want to be at the forefront and have the best. So we see in, in different parts of the world also major uh, research initiatives. Um, and Nokia is a global company. We, we, we have, for instance, launched in Europe a collaborative uh, research project, HexaX, which uh, is the flagship project where we uh, define the blueprint for 6G. I mean, European framework programs have been very good at that, uh, being at the forefront of every generation. So we lead that defining flagship project for, for 6G, HexaX. Um, in, in the US, uh, there's also now uh, collaborative efforts, uh, and we've been a founding member of the Next G Alliance. And we've also been at, uh, at the very beginning of the National Science Foundation program on 6G, the RINGS, the RINGS program, where we uh, discussed with the National Science Foundation, this should be a collaborative program with the academia, tapping into the foundational research, but really grounded also in an industry context. So to answer your back to your question, it's hard to say where it will emerge first, but because you see all these initiatives across the globe to, uh, where people recognize it's important to start the research now and that scale. Do you, um, this is a quasi-political question, but I think it does influence the technology direction of things eventually. Do, do you have concerns that we're going to go back to a more fragmented world where uh, you know, the West and the European countries use one kind of network and China and, you know, certain uh, other countries use another kind of network and, they, and they're just not compatible all the way through. Uh, no, I, th I think in, in, in the globe, and, and Nokia is, is very strong of, uh, about that, we should have a, a one global standard. What, what you will have is specific national requirements and, and, and given the flexibility that uh, the new technologies like the, the, the cloud native approaches bring, we will allow these regional uh, specific requirements. Uh, the goal should remain a, a global standard. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's true. Because the, the 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 one thing we didn't have back in the you know two G and three G world was the ability for um, for all of these, uh, you know, radios and networks to sort of use the cloud as like a mechanism to 
uh, apply policy and security and things like that in in the location that's needed. So yeah, I guess you're right. You, you don't you don't necessarily need to um, you don't necessarily you, you can still have a global standard, but then have uh, lo- local and regional variations or local and regional policies applied depending on whatever that government wants, I guess. So in, in the, in the near, uh, I guess in the, in the near term, so right now, you know, 5G is, is, um, slowly getting from, uh, kind of, you know, sort of just getting started, then it'll get to standalone 5G and then it'll get sort of settled in, optimized, and we'll have more and more applications that are taking full advantage of 5G's capabilities. Um, where on the timeline do you see uh, 6G applications sort of uh, starting up? I mean, obviously, people must be thinking about this now, so maybe they're already developing 6G applications. Uh, how, how, how soon is that coming about? Yeah. yeah. So the, the, there's actually a fairly good industry consensus that 6G, uh, will the first specification will be released 21. So we still will have uh, a release 18, 19, 20 as 5G advanced. And so release 21 of 3GPP, uh, which will be, f- according to plan, finalized in 2028. So think then of about two years of, of to get it rolled okay. out as a commercial solution. So that's, that's the timeline. And there's a fairly good understanding with uh, uh, the players that we talk to in, in the industry that this is the timeline. But yeah, indeed, we already start on the research now. And uh, in Bell Labs, we, have, we feel very strong that the research should be guided by also the defining application. You, you need a direction. Uh, the, the, in, in 4G, the direction was, uh, was inter- high-speed internet access and video. In 5G, the direction was industrial IoT. In 6G, the direction is this fusion of digital and, and physical worlds. And also in the application space, we, we, we have research on, on applications because that educates what we can do on the network and vice versa. Our research on the network educates what you can do with applications. And, and that is actually yeah. something fairly unique about Bell Labs, that we have these capabilities in the same research uh, center. Yeah, absolutely. I, I bet the in-office Wi-Fi is amazing, too. <laughs> 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 um, at least better than better than my house. Um, uh, Kelsey, any any uh, one last question, and then we'll we'll wrap up. I don't want to uh, take t- uh, don't want to run too much over. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm just um, I don't know. I, I I know it's years away, but I'm already really excited about it just based on our conversation and hearing these like um, you know holographic use cases and being able to um, you know sense who all's in a bit in a building or the life forces there, I suppose. Um, so what are you most excited about? Um, I guess from a use case perspective, uh, for 6G. Yeah. So the, the, the way we like to think of this and because you say, this is the last question is maybe a nice way to wrap it up. It is unleashing human possibilities, right? That's what every generation tries to do. The 2G and 3G has unleashed our ability of mobility, mobility and connectivity. 4G has unleashed the potential of of information and sharing that information with social media. 
5G has unleashed the potential of machines, of industrial automation. And 6G will unleash the potential of human possibilities, bringing humans back at the center. And, and what I mean by that is, remember what I said about these digital worlds, how that optimizes uh, productivity and outcomes and mm, enhance our lives. It will let machines do what machines are best at. And that, that can be mechanical tasks as robots, Gambling. but also clerical tasks or, or inspection. Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but then also leave to humans what humans are best at. Mm -hmm. Making jokes, being creative, <laughs> yeah. uh, solving for heart problems, learning, or also manual tasks, surgical tasks, caring for, for each other. And these are typically also the things that we enjoy most. So it's unleashing, again, human possibilities. That's... Uh, how 6G will improve our, the way we live and the way we work. Well, that's a great way to end. Uh, very optimistic outlook. And, um, you know, Phil, you've got, um, what, eight more years to get your, your jokes better? <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> no amount of computing in the world can help that process. <laughs> I just become more of a dad every day. So it's, 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 it's hopeless. Uh, but Peter Vetter, you, you have given us some hope and thank you so much for uh, for spending the time and being on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh -huh.